For the first time ever, I am thrilled to say we have an official sponsor for the Dirk Talk podcast, and that's Ariat. I've worn Ariat boots on every job site I've visited over the years, traveling in them across five continents. More importantly, I have yet to find a single project where working folks, unlike me, are not wearing Ariat boots and workwear in every condition imaginable. And there's really good reason for that. And that's because it's phenomenal stuff. And the more I've learned about Ariat and the company, the more I've loved their brand. So with this, Ariat is offering any Dirt Talk listener 10% off their next Ariat order at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk. That's 10% off boots, jeans, and workwear at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk or at the link in this episode's description. With that, let's get to the show. We should do a we should do a podcast with the company. That would actually be pretty interesting. Um, yeah. When we think about in one of the things we did this summer, we did an engagement survey. And, you know, part of the reason that we're traveling this week and going around and talking at each one of our sites is some of that feedback was about communication. Yeah. And we know that we're scattered. We've got people in Ohio. We've got people in Nashville, Charlotte, Raleigh, wrapping up in Richmond, Virginia. Yeah. We have people that work remotely. We're kind of everywhere. So it is hard sometimes to get the message out. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I always wonder about like, OK, well, we put that out there. We create that content. Who's actually going to consume it? Are our employees going to do it or not? Yeah. I, I, um, so the nice thing is there's a lot of companies that have done it already. So you're not the first. There's it's It has been, a, I think, a proven media. Uh, I don't want to say proven, but like um, Sargent up in Maine, they've done it really successfully and theirs is available for anybody. So you mm. can you can just, I, I'll, I'll send that one to you just okay. as like an example. Or yep. Dan Garcia with CW Matthews does one. There's, there's. A bunch of contractors. I know uh, Tim with Emory Sapp and Sons. Um, purely just for internal communication, just kind of talk about what the heck's going on in the business. Because yeah. you can, like, you know how it is. You you get so focused on one project, you think right. that's your world and that's all that happens here. Yeah, you have no idea what's going on elsewhere. Right, um, and there's potentially, if nothing else, it just makes you feel like more of a team. I guess. And, and, oh, wow, there's like a bigger picture to the whole highway thing than just my project right. that's completely screwed up this week. <laughs> not, say, not saying any, we don't project, have any projects that get screwed yeah, up. Yeah, not saying so, that would ever happen to you right. all, but uh, it's easy to just get, get a right. little down sometimes and, right. and a little isolated. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's nice too. It's perfect for construction because there's a lot of windshield time. Hmm. And you can just put it on while you're driving. Uh, and so I think that's why it's been very popular with construction companies and actually is pretty successful hmm. with a lot of companies because of the windshield time. So some of those companies that do it, do they have guests on or they try to keep it internal? Um, so, so it's all internal purposes, but some of them will have external guests. Uh, some of them will have internal guests. Hmm. You know, hey, here's so-and-so um, from within the business we're going to talk about safety today for yeah. example yeah. um here's uh you know if you're you know a for maybe you're whoever runs your shop for example we're going to talk about equipment today so you can you can have guests and you could you could make it fun and in a different kind of format every time uh and then worst case scenario too with podcasts 
you sit down, like startup costs is maybe a few hundred dollars, maybe. Yeah. You sit down, record it, you listen back to it. That was terrible. You just delete it. Right. Like, <laughs> like it's it's not you're not right. sinking a lot a lot into it. Right. Um but yeah, I'm I'm a huge proponent of any any construction company doing a podcast. Mm-hmm. I think it's wildly valuable. Yeah. Especially with a company like yours. With yeah. I me mean, just being so spread out, it is so tough. Yeah. How you said you got some feedback on communication? Yeah. How did you gather that feedback? Though so we used um <laughs> well the the history of surveys at highway paving. Um Three years ago, we considered doing some kind of engagement survey. Yeah. Um, and at that time, just the timing wasn't quite right. We didn't have much of a HR tech stack, right? So people weren't used to potentially taking a survey in that way. And it's like, oh, well, why don't you just distribute it on paper and you know have everybody collect or you know respond that way? And I'm like, I'm not tallying up a hundred responses yeah. to a survey on paper yeah. so yeah. it's gonna have to be done with some kind of technology started looking at that time with some different options and then the second question was okay if we do this and we find out some things are we going to actually do something as a leadership team to address it mm-hmm. and at that time it was like yes and it would really be nice to probably just get a little bit more comfortable let's see what's actually happening in 2021 let's wait just a little bit so we uh we had actually just started to implement our first HRIS, Bamboo. Mm. And in Bamboo, they have an employer net uh, promoter score, yeah. EMPS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was actually, I was like, well, this is great. It's included as part of this. Why don't we just send that out and see what happens? So we did our first survey in the summer of 2021. And we got really good feedback. And, it, you know, it's one question and then open form just for verbatim comments. Uh, and I believe the question is how likely are you to uh, recommend highway paving as company, a, yep. highway paving as a place to work to your friends and family yep. or yep. whatever the, the tagline is. And if yep. you, and the way the net promoter works, basically, I think it's a nine or a 10, you're a promoter, right? So you're in the green, mm-hmm. a seven or an eight is neutral. And then anything six or below, you're potentially a detractor. Okay. Um, though, you know, we get that raw score, which was always actually fairly positive, um, and then good written comments, and mm-hmm. then we could tag those and we could kind of see what themes were actually popping up. And even at that time yeah. we had communication, we had schedule. Um, I would say that we we're pretty lucky that we didn't get a lot in terms of reward and recognition and compensation. Mm-hmm. Like some people would mention it, you know, I think we've resolve some of those problems um there wasn't a lot on training and development and you know you think about employee surveys typically there's probably three themes that that pop up all the time right i don't get paid enough sure i have no room for growth can't develop can't learn um and then you know a third one which is very company dependent right and industry dependent in terms of what would actually be no, so we didn't actually see a lot of those first two themes. Ours is more about the communication piece. So fast forward to this past summer, like, okay, we need to, we're growing quite a bit. We've almost doubled our workforce in a year. We need to get a little bit more granular feedback. So we went back to some of the companies we looked at in 2020. Uh, one of those is CultureAmp, uh, who has an engagement mm-hmm. survey and then just a very nice survey tool. I was impressed with them. They seem like a good partner. So we actually used their kind of core engagement survey to get all that feedback. Okay. We added in some additional questions about safety. Um, 
but yeah, it was real. It, it was positive. I wouldn't say it was necessarily super eye-opening. We got similar similar themes to what we had gotten from doing the ENPS, but it was nice to break down in the more granular uh, responses. And one of the factors that's in there is about leadership. Mm-hmm. And a lot of leadership ones connect directly to communication, making sure that like that message from leadership is being passed down throughout the organization. And from an engagement perspective, they weren't the lowest items on the survey, but from an engagement perspective and the way that they actually analyze those factors, it's one of the factors that most impacts engagement work. Mm. So I was like, oh, that's what we need to focus on. We still need to get our communication piece right. We need to get that leadership message, make sure we're explaining our vision, where we are as a company, all the things you were just saying that a podcast could potentially do for us. Um, you know, that that's kind of what became apparent to us in doing that survey. Yeah, I will. Um, and I, I don't know if we've already explored this with you guys, too, with through Build with Training. But uh, do you guys are you on Build with Training? Yeah. OK, that's what I thought. Yeah. Um, I, I, I record for our team uh, basically just a five minute video on my phone every week. Hmm. Here's what happened this week. Here's what's going on. And you put it in that platform? Uh, yeah, and you can That's put it nice. and build a training and assign it to everybody weekly and, and keep it real simple, real concise from your phone. No production quality, nothing. Uh, I do that every Sunday, and I think that's made a, a, a big difference, too, in at least informing everybody. That's a great idea. Yeah. and, and I always forget about that function of the platform. Yeah. Of, like, producing all these videos and just put it on the website and well, make and it short and linked. It's like. That's what our fault. There? <laughs> yeah, it's it's our fault because we're not good at we 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 haven't been good at at really educating on what the potential uses are outside of sure. take people through basic safety. Um, right. but yeah, it's 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 and we're trying. We're I think we're we're working on features now to just make it so you can upload it directly onto the platform from your phone. Because right now I have to take it from my phone, put it on my computer, then upload it. Yep. It's, it's not as seamless, but still, it takes it takes me fifteen minutes to create one nice communication for the entirety of the business. Not everybody will see it, but a lot of people will see it. Right. Um, and I make it really valuable. So it's, hey, you're going to be behind if you're not if you're not listening to this. Yep. And uh, yeah, just try to keep it. I, I kind of, I, I write out my bullet points beforehand and then just, here's the main points for this week. That's it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We, it's funny you bring up bamboo and feedback. We've been on bamboo. We're probably going to do something different as, like you said, as far as feedback's concerned, because- yep. The EMPS, is it helpful? Sure, but no at the same time. <laughs> uh, but we just we just did it. Uh, and it's nothing. See, I, human nature, I get the I get the feedback in a spreadsheet mm-hmm. ranked best to worst. So then your tens are, are up top and then your lowest scores at the bottom. Right. I don't ever start at the top. I just scroll all the way down to the bottom. And start, <laughs> and start you got to start at the top. You got to celebrate no, those wins. Oh, no, no, like, oh, no. People said really nice oh, things. No, it's like, great. All right, cool. I'm happy you love it here. But let's see what the just the absolute. <laughs> but I don't care about stuff. you that much. No, it's more about these people no, down here. <laughs> I, 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 I make it up to the top. I cherish every great response. Yeah. But I go right down to the bottom. Yeah. It's just human nature. And and it is, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's like nice kick in the nuts first. First time you read it, you're like, <clears throat> that just doesn't yeah. feel good. That just, oh. right. But then you start to digest it and reflect upon it. And you're like, okay, so here's the key themes. And is this really surprising? No, like I get it. Like yeah. um, our one of our biggest themes on the past one was 
we've had, we've had a lot of instability as a business. We're a startup. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and we press the, re- we have five and a half years of history, which is fine, but we pressed the reset button, uh, beginning of last year when we became a software company. And mm. so in a lot of ways, we're not even two years old yet mm-hmm. in really how our business is structured today. <clears throat> and that has caused, um, all kinds of chaos. Mm-hmm. All kinds of chaos. And there were a lot of people that were signed up before then that signed up for a very different operation right? that then got thrown into this crazy startup environment yep. that just don't align with that environment because it's completely different. And I totally get that. And then there's a lot of people that have come in knowing it's a startup environment, like this is what I want. I want to go build something. I want chaos. This is how I thrive. Um, but that was definitely, I would say, the number one theme of our recent survey was stability, 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 which understood. And we're trying to figure out how best to get there. You know, I think surveys are obviously a very good thing to do because it is a, it's a structured way to get feedback from your team, from your organization. Yeah. But you do absolutely have to approach it with, okay, feedback is a gift. Yes. All of that. But then you also have to look at it from kind of that filter of, Hey, there's some things that we can and can't control. Sure. So where do we actually focus in on that? And, you know, that's a great, the instability piece, right? That is, you know, something that it's a conscious <clears throat> choice that you've made as a business. Yes. And there are also things that we have like that on our surveys, right? When we think about schedule, when we think about the work-life balance, just because of the way that we do operate in so many different places with, you know, pretty crazy schedules on our jobs. You know, but could I, would I love to wave a magic wand and make that all better? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, 32, 32 hour work week. Yeah. The, yeah. 32 hour work week and, uh, you know, instant teleportation to your home. Yeah. Uh, I would love to make that happen for you. But unfortunately, like really hard to do And when you're working outside all the time and not even, we have no, you know, kind of vertical construction where we could even duck underneath a cover, right? If sure. it's raining, we cannot pave concrete. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's just a lot of factors in there and we just have to kind of take that with a grain of salt of like, yes, I hear you. And then there's the authenticity piece, right? And the making sure that we actually do something with that survey data. Mm-hmm. And even though you complain about it, or even though you're saying it's an opportunity, we might not be able to actually do anything about it, right? We, we'll do what we can. We'll try to mitigate some of those things, but it's not necessarily a solvable problem. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah, you, you do have to take a lot of it with a, a grain of salt too. And then, mm-hmm. you know, some, sometimes there's people within an organization that probably shouldn't be there mm-hmm. and they might be frustrated or upset or whatever it is. They're more likely to give you feedback than people that are happy. <laughs> so, so, uh, at the same time, you know, you, you, you get a lot of negative feedback and, and, and it's like, yeah, I understood. But at the same time, uh, you kind of have to understand it's like, well, yeah. Mm, let's be careful with how much we actually listen to this. We need to be measured about it at least. Right. What we kind of feedback? What kind of response rate did you get on your survey? So we screwed up on this one. We didn't, <clears throat> we weren't clear on the why we needed mm-hmm. it filled out. Uh, and so, mistake number one leadership, you know, just dumb mistake. We, we, we weren't clear in our communication sure. about it going out in the first place yep. and why we wanted the response rate to be great. So, we probably had like 40 out of 70. Submit a response. It's a good sample size, right? It's a good enough sample size. And we figured if we would have reopened it and, and, and communicated more clearly and said everybody needs to do it, 
we probably would have got the exact same themes. So it's yep. like, all right, I feel good enough about the sample size. Right. I don't think anything is all that different. Yep. And then, but but through this, we then learned, okay, we need to do this differently on the next time. Mm-hmm. So how can we make this more effective on the next go around? So I think the next go around, like you were saying, with your most recent feedback, I think will be a lot more effective because yep. it'll be more granular and more actionable. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, it, it's such a, as Jocko says, a dichotomy of leadership because you want to listen to everybody and right. implement their feedback. But at the same time, you're working under constraints and you're one of the few people at your organization that has the big picture perspective. Mm-hmm. And so you can see while they're looking at one game board, a job, mm-hmm. you're looking at seven different game boards right. and the seven future game boards right. and then maybe some game boards beyond that. Right. And from from your perspective... Uh, the the picture is just completely different. Yeah. Um. So your your work is very interesting because, as you said, you work under these crazy constraints. Yeah. And as as a construction business and a paving business, working for DOTs, you're under constraints. There are definitely some bounds, but you all are in a different league of constraints, and that is the airport world. Which yes. is a gnarly, gnarly world. <laughs> yes. Though, so, um, it's so interesting you said that because, and I never really think about that that much of, like I know, obviously, like FAA specs, when it comes to our mix designs, when it comes to just the tolerances of the work that we do, yeah. are obviously, you know, there, yeah, lots of constraints, right? Very, very tight, very regulated, very scrutinized. It never really occurred to me, though, and actually Dustin, I think, said it yesterday when we were talking to our, our team here in Nashville, um, that, you know, if you're doing DOT work and you're paving a highway and you go, you know, and not saying, I, I'm going to exaggerate a little bit, right? Yeah. But you go like a foot off, right? That road's still going to go. People are still going to be driving on it. Sure. You'll be able to have a chance probably even correct that a little bit. Like the tolerances are just not quite the same. I was like, oh, wow, that that is so true because... You can't pave a runway a foot off. If you do, people's lives are potentially in danger because yeah. there's giant planes landing on that, right? Yeah. If yeah. it's an inch off or an inch higher than it should be, also an issue when it comes to, you know, plane instrumentation and, and mm-hmm. landing and just all of that. And then just the sheer force that those, you know, you have 737 or 747, you know, even worse, landing on one of those um, airstrips. Uh, as it were, like the repeated force of that, like, yeah, you better do a really good job. So yes, there, it never, it, that, that made it really just clear to me yesterday uh, in him making that comment. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Like I, I realized, but I never realized it to that extent. Well, and uh, just the, the money you're dealing with, uh, like mm-hmm. in, in a sense that <clears throat> the airport needs to run. You can't turn the airport off. It doesn't right. work that way. Right. And so you do your work like in road construction. A lot of times you have to keep interstate open, sure. but you can you can move interstate traffic. You can shut stuff down. Mm-hmm. You can do there. It's a little bit more flexible. But if you know the, the airport needs to operate yep. and, and they don't care about what needs to really get done in the grand scheme of things, their priority is to operate and get air traffic in and out. Right. 
And so you're secondary <laughs> and you have to fit within their constraints most yeah. of the time. Yeah. Most of the time. So, hey, here's here's the window you have. Yeah. And there's not much of a there's not much wiggle room. It's, right. You just kind of have yeah, to make it work. You know, if I-75 doesn't open for a few days, American Airlines isn't knocking on your door and being like, hi, we can't go anywhere. Sure. So, yeah, yeah that's uh, yeah. And, and that adds to the complexity of our schedules. That adds to the complexity of communicating with our workforce as well, because. We've, you know, oh, we got to go do maintenance and we need to do something in a very tight period of time at night, right? Or we can't deal with all of the actual plane traffic or the air traffic that's going on around us. We have to work at night or we have a very short period during the day or we can only close that runway for 60 days Mm -hmm. and you got to do work around it. Mm -hmm. And if you're not done by then, then you're in trouble, right? You're paying liquidated damages or just worse yet, you're going to be probably kicked off of a job. Yeah. Yeah, it is um <clears throat> yeah, it's 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 high risk, but I guess it's it's the world in which you operate. Mm-hmm. So at the same time, you all don't really know a lot different at this point. It's just right. What you do. Like right. yeah, we we've just... been we've been so focused on the airfield paving piece and you know really our vision is to become the premier airfield paving contractor in the US. And that could even expand to the world or just contractor in general right yeah. we we really enjoy doing that work um to some extent we think it's safer because you don't have to deal with the the traveling uh, public sure. you're within a tight contained space yeah. sometimes it is a little bit there's not a lot of elbow room yeah but there's also not a lot of things going on around it that can go wrong yeah so from a safety perspective it's great um we've gotten comfortable with you know, with those tolerances that are there on the technical side and, you know, in actually building the product, uh, we have fantastic managers that are constantly monitoring that, constantly working with the airports, with our owners to make that work happen mm-hmm. and to recognize what changes there are going to be and figure out ways that we can do it better for them, you mm-hmm. know, on budget, on time, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's out of all of the paving surface work I've seen, airport's probably my favorite because it's just so unique. Yeah. And you have planes right next to you. Right. And which is just the cool factors, right? right. It really will never not there. be cool to be on like a ramp or an apron or a, yeah. a runway or whatever, even if it's closed down completely. Like yeah. it is. It's a really cool experience. Yeah, yeah. There's just a there's a cool factor yep. there that you don't get on road work, and uh, it's just yeah, the, the tolerances and, and everything is so tight. And I've I've been the two airport, I've been to a few more airport jobs, but the two paving specific airport jobs I've been to were very 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 unique. Mm-hmm. And so I'm basically taking that and just assuming everything's like that, which is at all not not at all the case. Um, but one of them was. Uh, Switzerland International Airport where they mm. were replacing the runway and removing the concrete and replacing it with asphalt. But they couldn't um, they couldn't stop daily air traffic. It was the main runway. For, and, and so they, they, they had to have planes landing on it every day, but they had to replace it. Wow. And so they had to divide it into 70 sections and replace one section per night. And the, the coordination... Was I don't think I'll ever see anything quite like it again. Right. It was so spectacular because um, it's it's an air it's airport work one two. It's the Swiss, 
<laughs> they they know what they're doing. Right. <laughs> it's probably the finest construction I've seen. And, yep. and it's just absolutely beautiful. But I mean, within five minutes of the last 737 hitting the the runway, they have two 85-ton excavators out there with hammers already poking holes in the concrete and 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 pulling it up. And then they um they bring all the asphalt in before they start and put it in a warming tent. Mm. So there's no we're not dealing with the plant, mm. the plant and truck breakdowns, none of that. We're just going to remove that variable and put it all on site before we even start. Yep. And then they did majority of the paving with the bulldozer. So they had mm. a D6 with um, triple grouser pads with excavator pads on it and a sprayer system to keep the asphalt from sticking on the tracks mm. and uh, a special blade. And it, it did the first, you know, 10, 12 inches. And then they had two pavers that would do the surface. Wow. It, it was so remarkable. You know, the crazy thing about that is think about how many things could have gone wrong. Yes. Too. Yes. Right. You know, even just. And I think the one thing about highway and this industry overall is. It seems like there's this factor of luck mm-hmm. to what we do. Right. And the, oh, well, we just got lucky that we were able to win that job. We got lucky that we were able to complete it on time. We got lucky, but it's not really luck, right? It's, it's that you do have pretty ingenious people uh, managing those jobs, thinking about all of those factors. You're yeah. talking about the, the bulldozer and, you know, a water spraying system over the, the treads. Like, it's amazing. Who came up with that? <laughs> yeah. But, but, but like, your strat there's some contractors out there where their strategy is largely dependent upon luck. Sure. You but you can't do that when you're dealing with airports. Right. It, it just doesn't, no, and you can't it doesn't do that. work. Right. And that's that's you know another thing with us is and we focus on that a lot of we were good at kind of staying at our same size working in the same places that we were working. Um but we also recognize that that might just be lucky. We need we need to remove some of the luck from that equation, right? Yeah. And that's really like where we are kind of on our journey as a company of, okay, we got we to gotta build some more foundational stuff for mm-hmm. our business to actually grow. Um, and I think, that, yeah, there's a lot of contractors out there that probably have gotten where, they've, where they are right now because of luck or maintaining where they are because of luck. Yeah. Uh, and they're not trying to work that out of their system. I, I like too how you you all are focused and disciplined on a specific kind of work. Mm. I've seen that m- most of the most successful contractors I know do one of uh, have one of two plays. They're either vertically integrated and mm. they do everything, mm-hmm. so they control the schedule. Or, and that controlling the schedule, I think that's the secret. There is is the schedule is theirs and no one else touches it. Yep. That it's big time. And then you have the whole materials are widely profitable and it's kind of in a monopoly. And, but, but we'll just, you know, <laughs> wink, yeah. wink, nudge, yeah, nudge. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's, let's put that to the side. And then, um, contractors that are specialized that do one thing extraordinarily well. Hmm. And I've seen that, I've seen that, uh, b- because it's so, it's so tempting to just, it for, it was for our business, for any business, you just, there's opportunity everywhere. You just right. want to go grab it. And especially when you have this um, survival mindset, yeah. like when you're, you're like, it's, it, it's, it's like uh, the human body. We're, we're just wired to eat all the time because 
oh my God, I just need to get as many calories in me as I can because I have no idea when those extra calories are coming. <laughs> that's not how the that's not how the world works anymore. I feel very seen well, but right now, Aaron. Thank you. We're still wired to just consume, 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 consume. Because uh, we, 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 you know, who knows? Who knows what tomorrow's going to bring? And um, I think contractors, especially when they start, you just, you want backlog, backlog, backlog. You just want to consume, consume, consume. But then it starts to work against you in, in a lot of ways. And then you're kind of controlled by the backlog and stuff you probably shouldn't have bid. And, and it can make a mess. Especially if you're a subcontractor. Especially right? Because sub- just going back to what you said about the schedule. That is a key piece. And, I, you know, I was listening to you say that and I was like, well, what if I told you that we really try to take both of those approaches, right? Yeah. We've specialized the concrete paving piece. We don't pave any, we don't pave asphalt. Okay, we do a little bit of dirt work. We do a little bit of pipe. Um, you know, we do a little bit of just the overall kind of grading. Yeah. However, it's not our hedgehog, right? It's not, to use Jim Collins's term, right? Sure. It's, it's more of... Um, if we need to. However, we've also found jobs and found places where we can work as the prime contractor. Mm-hmm. So where we can self-perform all of that concrete paving, and then there's a good enough you know, portion of other work that we can either sub out because we're still in control of the schedule. Yeah. But then it's also finding, you know, it's, could we live that way? Sure. But if we want more work, we also have to go in as a subcontractor. Mm-hmm. So that's where we look at partners, right? That's where we make good relationships with our owners. That's where we find the people that we, and you know, the construction management companies or the other primes out there yeah. that are good partners yeah. um, who we know will help support us and, and help yeah. us kind of continue on our goals. And there's a lot that aren't good partners. There's a lot that are good partners. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that aren't good partners. Yep. There's a lot of, I, I, it's, it's an increasing problem that I don't think is talked about enough. Everybody and and I haven't found out the way to actually like constructively talk about it yet, but there's a lot of construction managers out there mm-hmm. that don't create a lot of value that, that try to, to put that, that want their percentage and then want to take the risk and go put it onto everybody else. Mm-hmm. And it's not really a partnership. It's, you know, it's I'm management. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you do what I say. And if you right. don't, I'll find someone else that will. Whereas I think the, they create real value. The good contractors, the good, the good construction managers, par- partners, firms, whoever they are, they they do look at it like, hey, we are nothing without the people building the work. We right. don't actually build work, so, right. so we don't actually do anything billable. Right. Like, because <laughs> the only billable thing on that project is concrete paving. It's right. not management. And right. Sure, there's you know you can put some stuff in your bid, but it's it you you, you get paid to build stuff. Yeah. Um. And I, I think some have forgotten that it's, it's, Hey, hey. And even sometimes at companies, it's easy to get, you're in the office mm-hmm. and you're so disconnected from, hey, no, it's the company is not about you. You don't, yeah. you don't do anything billable here. It's, right. it's about putting concrete on the ground. Yeah. And so, you know, you need to help put concrete on the ground, help your people put concrete on the ground yep. as effectively as possible. Right. That's it. That, that is 100%. <laughs> Right. It is so interesting to, to flip it around from, you know, the, the, the CM side to, yeah, internal, that's the same. So yeah. um, I've had the great fortune and opportunity to be able to build my team, our people and talent team at Highway. Um, and, it, you know, even when it was me and 
Andrea, our, our talent manager and recruiter, um, we were pretty clear on what we do. And that is two things. Like our mission as a team is to make this a great place to work, right? Help our managers make it a great place to work, help build projects and, you know, foundational things to make it a great place to work, et cetera. The other part though is enabling the work, right? And that is something that I try to focus on all the time because when we're referred to as HR and we're the roadblock, we've done something wrong, right? And that's a spot that we've tried to shy away from. And, you know, I think that, um, we're, we're pretty lucky, like our team, our people in talent team, our finance team, you know, kind of our other support functions around the company, I think really still focus on that. Like we are here to enable the work. We're not here to stand in the way. Yeah. And if we make it hard for you to get the work done, again, we've done something wrong. Yeah. Will that inevitably happen from time to time? Maybe because of, you know, laws and that kind of stuff. Sure. But, yeah. 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 <laughs> but yeah. you know, there's still that element of like whenever we can make a decision that's focused on enabling the business and enabling the activity that needs to actually happen to run our business and to do what we really are supposed to do, pave concrete, manage projects. That's where we want to focus. And that's what we do, what we try to do. Well, and, the, and then, and, and that's where communication again comes into play is yep. there are laws that, <laughs> that, that you have to abide by sure. that do make some things more difficult. Yep. Um, but then that's where the, Hey, like, Here's why we have to do it this way. Yep. Here's here are the constraints we're underneath, and and even just communicating that clearly. Oh, oh, okay, I understand. So now I'm not now I'm not thinking that you're making my job harder. Right. I understand where you're coming from. Okay. All right. Cool. Right. But that's on you to communicate that clearly. Yep. And if you don't, it causes all this. Yeah. It's it's an outside in kind of approach to it, right? It's yeah. and and something I tell anybody that I interview for a role on our team or that I just talk to about highway is that relationships are really, really important. Mm-hmm. You know, internally, but that that is kind of the inside out perspective because we focus on that with our owners. We focus on that with our subcontractors. Yeah. We, you know, whoever else we're working with, we want strong relationships and we've got to also flip that on the inside. You know, I've hired Again, my team has grown, it feels like exponentially this first half of the year. And something I feel like I've told all of them is um, focus on the relationships, figure out how you're going to build those internally so that when you do have to have the tough conversations, make the tough decisions, you're going to be able to do that a little bit easier. Yeah. Yeah. And even, yeah, it's just thinking about your guys' business too, from a relationship standpoint, you, you're really dependent on those relationships mm-hmm. with, with owners especially yep. and it only takes one person screwing up one relationship potentially to really set you back across the board oh, yeah. because that's a very small world mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and everybody talks mm-hmm. and word can get around you gotta really be quickly. real careful who you piss off yeah, yeah and so it can work with you if you're doing a great job right. which it has but yeah it, it just takes one stupid decision from one person to 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 set the whole organization back sure. yeah um, so on the people development side, you said it's, it's grown substantially. What does that, does that look like? So, um, three years. So I, you know, the other thing about this, I'm so a newcomer to, to highway, right. Even after three years and being pretty deeply embedded in the business, like I still feel like, okay, I'm, I'm the new guy Yeah, a little bit. What's, um, what's your background? Oh boy. How long is this podcast? How long uh, do we, we have? We no, um, all day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so let me try to give you the, the, the summary of, of uh, my background. Um, 
my degree, my bachelor's degree is actually music education. I was a teacher for five years. No kidding. Um, <laughs> in between my first and second, fifth year of teaching, I worked for a small company that did training and development, consulting, instructional design. Uh, and, and really how I got there was that first year of teaching, it did not go great. And any first year teacher teacher probably knows what I'm talking about. Like, you're like, oh, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to, you know, work with these kids. It's going to be awesome. Sure. And then it's about day one, hour two. And you're like, oh, my God, I have to do this 180 days yeah. now. And oh, yeah, though, um, I had a tough go kind of my first year of teaching and just first year teacher stuff. But I said also to myself at that time, I don't know if I want to do this for 35 years of my life. This is kind of a this is hard. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I I had an opportunity to kind of leave. And if I was talking with a friend. He said, you can do other things with your degree. I know a guy that does some training and development stuff. Why don't you talk to him? I was like, ah, I don't know about that. This was over spring break. And I went back to school uh, the day after spring break. And uh, I came home at, from school and I reached out to that friend again. I was like, you know what? I will talk to him uh, because, I, again, I don't think I want to do this for 35 years. Um, so. I did that. I had that taste of kind of like business and leadership and, you know, knowing what training and development can do for organizations or what we want it to do and the most positive of, of senses. Yeah. Um, but fell back into another teaching job, still was doing some consulting on the side and said, okay, I want to go get a master's degree in something. Um, maybe an MBA, maybe, you know, focus a little bit more on organizational behavior, or IO psychology or something like that. And, you know, even at that time, I was thinking, well, maybe I want to go get a PhD and teach in higher education. Mm. Um, so I, I ended up in OSU's Master of HR program. Uh, great experience, was still kind of thinking about, well, maybe I'll parlay this into, you know, some kind of PhD program after that. But after like the first six months of the year, I'm like, you know what? I'm too old for this shit. I, I can't, I'm not going to be able to read that many articles uh, from journals here over the next six years of trying to get a PhD and then maybe end up at a tier one institution to, to teach. So like, I'm also learning all this cool stuff in this program. I want to go apply that somewhere. So I told myself, okay, I don't want to be too old. I got a house here in Columbus area. Uh, I don't want to uh, be in a rotational program, you know, which was a lot of and kind of leadership development programs for HR and mm -hmm. where my peers who were 23, 24 in that program that where they were headed. Uh, and I also don't really want to work in a plant, right? Like I just, I want to tech sounded exciting, right? Like a startup, sure, you know, yeah. would love to do that. Yeah. Why not? Somehow I ended up in both of those things, uh, working with Ford, uh, in their uh, HR rotational uh, program. So I spent two years at the Lima engine plant in Ohio uh, and then two years supporting the finance skill team up in Dearborn. Interesting. And then a year uh, working with um, Ford Smart Mobility, which was kind of the technology arm, kind of pre-autonomous vehicles where they could split that off. Yeah. So super interesting work. Really grateful for that time. Went back to doing some more training and development and actually some marketing uh, consulting and work for a couple of years and then kind of fell back in uh, to this more, I'm not even going to say traditional HR role, right? It was, it was knowing Dustin and talking about some opportunities that they had and where he wanted to take the business, starting as a consultant and kind of identifying a couple of the, like, hey, we really need to focus on talent acquisition. Mm -hmm. If you want to, if you want to grow, if you want to make this a little bit more sane, we, you need to get a recruiter, you need to get an ATS. Yeah. You know, here's, here's a steps and process for actually doing that. 
So um, it was June of 2020 that I came on full-time with Highway, uh-huh. kind of working in that capacity, really focusing on the talent acquisition piece at that time, but knowing that if we did want to grow and we wanted to reach the goals that Dustin and Ed and you know the other leaders kind of had at that time, we would need to build out some infrastructure. We would need to be, build out some processes. We would need to, you know, just be prepared for growth as a company. Um, I want to I want to go in that direction, but I want to derail, sure. derail you for a moment. Right? Have you been following the UAW strikes? Yes. How, what do you think about that? What do I think about the UAW strikes? Yeah, I got to be real careful here. Yeah, I, I know that's a tricky question, <laughs> but having having been at Ford, like. And in, in, within HR, sure, you have a unique perspective on that um, subject. Yeah, I got to think about how to tactfully answer that and talk about it um, because I have my own opinions that probably aren't real productive. Yeah, um, yeah but, <laughs> but that's it's. I'll tell you on the record some things later. But yeah, um, yeah. He, here's what I'll say: I really hope that the workers get what they want. Right? Uh, they are hardworking people. Uh-huh. Um. Overall, though, I don't, I feel like it's a, also a bit of attack at kind of the overall organization. Maybe attack's a strong word, yeah. right? But, um, I, you know, I get concerned where negotiation isn't actually negotiation anymore. And it gets construed into, we just, we want all this stuff. And that can happen on both sides, either side, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that it probably is a little bit. They're getting possessive about what each side wants. Sure. But I actually don't think that they're as far apart as they make it out. There's a lot of lip service and there's a lot of kind of, you know, marketing to get one side, you know, above the other in terms of popular opinion. Yeah, it's it, it's fascinating. It's like, of course, you want the hardworking people to get what they want. Mm-hmm. Of course, there are constraints, business constraints mm-hmm. that are just the reality sure. on how you operate a business. and. The American automotive manufacturers mm-hmm. have a, a, a you know, a, a colorful past mm-hmm. across the board, mm-hmm. uh, especially financially. And yeah, they, you know, they're, they're by no means should be up on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. The United Auto Workers, same thing, like mm-hmm. not, not this impenetrable organization of justice and, right. and, and righteous behavior. Um, <laughs> It, it, it's on both sides. It's on both yeah, sides. And, and that's why they elected this new guy, because they recognized a lot of the corruption they had. They're mm-hmm. like, hey, we, <laughs> we, can, we, we can't. Fix yeah, we really got to yeah. fix this. Like right. there's there's there, you, you could read about it. It's all it's all very up and up in the air. But it, it, it is interesting because I feel like Ford is the closest. It sounds like or. Yeah, that's what that's uh, um, who, who knows. But they said they're kind of being held hostage right now. I, I read something on LinkedIn this morning and I I. Sorry, I don't have the attribute. Uh, I can't attribute who's actually said it, and I'm going to paraphrase in a horrible way. But it was basically that, you know, during you know the financial crisis, 2008, 2009, GM took a bailout. Ford did not. Yeah, and it, it was an interesting post because it was almost like saying that, "Hey, UAW, help us out a little bit here." Sure. Right. Yeah. Keep going after GM. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Stellantis. Which I thought was a yeah. really interesting like way to position. Kind of from the upper management, the senior leadership uh-huh. of Ford, like how they're talking about the strike. But um, you know, so so GM took a bailout, Ford didn't. Over the past, 
you know, 10 to 15 years, Ford has added X number of UAW jobs. GM has cut X uh, number of UAW jobs. Uh, I was like, oh, that's that's an interesting standpoint. And yeah. then kind of wrapping up with Ford needs a strong UAW. UAW needs a strong Ford sure. from a profitability standpoint. So interesting. Throw us a little bit of a bone here, right? Recognize that you are going to get quite a bit. The latest proposal was pretty lucrative for everybody. Yeah. It addresses a lot of your concerns, but you're not going to get everything. And if you think you will, you're going to sit out there on the sidelines and striking longer and longer. And who's really going to suffer? It's going to be the suppliers who are small, mid-sized businesses who have, you know, that's going to impact hundreds of thousands of jobs and they have zero recourse, right? Um, so I thought that was just an interesting kind of take on it of like, hey, you're hurting other people by continuing to strike by not coming to the middle. Now, UAW is going to have a different take on that as mm -hmm. well, right? They want to get rid of tiers. They want to get rid of, and they just want it to be more equitable. They're going to always point to Mary Barra's uh, salary and say, well, she makes, you know, yeah. $110,000 a day or whatever it is. And, you know, if we just took a portion of that, then the strike would probably be over. Right. Sure. <laughs> and to some extent, they, they probably have a point, right. That the EO pay and they're sensitive to that. And, um, they should be pushing that to some extent, but yeah, they, they should be pushing it. But, but at the same time, it's like, does that really make all that much of a difference? Like, no, I, right. I, I get it. It's like optics. But then even the CEOs that don't get paid very much in theory, they, there's all these other tricks oh, yeah. to get paid a ton of money. Right. <laughs> it's not as blatant. Yeah, right. It's not about the cash compensation. It's <laughs> no, about the stock. It's no. about the perks. It's about yeah, the private jet. Yeah, it's about this. Yeah. 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 yeah it's um, it's fascinating, though. It really is fascinating. I uh i'm 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 working on kind of like my latest talk for whatever reason the associations keep inviting me back to talk and <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why but um it's it's uh there's there's a historical precedent i think it was the 14th century with the uh the the black death the plague mm -hmm. in europe what happened was it, it wiped out half the population um and a, and a lot um and a lot of working class people were were more impacted by this than than the nobility uh and then europe rebounds and needs to develop itself but the power dynamic shifted and and the the peasants started to recognize that wait a minute we actually they actually need us more than we mm. need them now and they started to exercise that that newfound power mm -hmm. and started to shift the balance of power substantially within the 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 worker you know employer employee yeah. and the cast and, and, sure. yeah and, and relationship yep and there was a lot of unrest um, and even if you just look at the past year and look at how many strikes there have been over the past year uh -huh. big strikes compared to even just the past decade right totally different mm -hmm. dynamic mm -hmm. and. I think the employers that just keep going down the traditional status quo path are at a, a substantial disadvantage and just substantial. I think that's very risky to do mm -hmm. because they're basically ignoring that 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 power dynamic that I think is has existed for decades in mm -hmm. construction is the same. Yep. It is not at all the same. It right. is completely different nowadays. Individuals, I think, have the power. And they only have it in a greater and greater sense going forward since mm -hmm. everybody's hiring. 
And with where the numbers are going, I don't see that changing anytime soon. Right. Uh, and they can exercise that power. And, and so as an employer, you can sit around and say, mm, well, you know, just these people, they're greedy, they're entitled, yes. this and that. It's them. It's not us. They just us. want to sit at home and collect paycheck. Yeah, and yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's them. Like, they're the problem. But then, you know, their, their workforce continues. Their, their, their problem persists. Mm-hmm. So it's like, at what point do you say, mm, right. okay, you know, we've done it really successfully up until now, but there's a very dynif- different dynamic here and let's work with it rather than against it. Right. Because everybody wins as a result. We, so when we started kind of our journey three years ago of, okay, we're going to get on the applicant tracking system. We're going to really take this recruiting and talent acquisition thing seriously. Um, the first phenomenon that we kind of found was, and we've experienced it really since then is just kind of this concept of candidates ghosting us. Mm, right. Yeah. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk to them they're supposed to show up and then they just disappear. Right. They evaporate into thin air. And a lot of people were very willing to step forward and offer their explanation or why they thought that was happening. And I'm like, I, it doesn't matter, right? <laughs> sure. It doesn't matter yeah. what the reason is or why, <laughs> what conspiracy theories we all have about why it's happening. It's happening, so we have to deal with it. Correct. And I think that, you know, just that's a good kind of metaphor, right? Or just a, um, a thing that can kind of continue from that trend of, we know history is going to repeat itself, right? Yes, workers are going to not necessarily rise up, right? But there is certainly is going to be a different emphasis on on our workforce um, in terms of what they want and what kind of power that they actually want to have and that they should have mm-hmm. in many uh, instances. And instead of just sitting back and throwing our hands up and being like, well, these kids these days just don't want to work and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter, yeah. right? It's the reality that we actually have to manage with. And we have to direct, our, let's direct our energy and focus and being constructive and creative to make it that better as opposed to just explaining why it is happening. Well, and, uh, yeah, you go on LinkedIn now and, and yeah, it's talking about, I just hear it all the time. Like everybody's going to college, everybody's yeah. lazy, there's people not working, this and this and that. And my, my, my point is to them, like, so what if you're right? What if you're right? right. You're right. You know what? People are lazy. People are going to college. People are not working. Yep. They are, they, they are, they're just not cut from the same cloth as they were 30 years ago from your generation. You're right. And? So what? <laughs> you know, like, like, what are we going to so, do about right, it? We've established you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how, do, how has that changed our problem? It would, there's no change. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so it's like, right. come on, come on. Let's, let's. Well, <laughs> and you know, I think we, we even do that a little bit when it comes to, we talk about this workforce problem that we have in construction. Right. And you know, the thing I keep hearing, and I was listening to some other dirt talk podcasts, right. And in both of them, I think there is this line, well, everybody's encouraged to go to college. I'm like, well, so what? Like, okay. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. Right. Like it's just, there's plenty of people that aren't, right? There's plenty of people also that will go to college and could still end up in construction, construction-related fields. So, you know, so what? Yeah, we can we can blame whoever we want to. It doesn't really matter that we ultimately have to move to the spot of responsibility for moving this all forward. Yeah, and there and there's there's a lot of fun talking points that are starting to get me more and more frustrated too. It's like, 
we need more kids to go to trade schools. We need to promote trade schools. It's like, I agree. Show me the trade schools because they have been absolutely murdered by higher education. They're, they're wiped out. They don't exist right now. Mm-hmm. We need more women in construction. That absolutely. But until you stop requiring six days a week, nights, weekends, 70 hours a week, stop right. saying that. Like, right. <laughs> like there's, there's, there's just these like fun talking points that get everybody riled up. Like, yeah, we, we do need more kids. Right. We need more women. More people should think about the trades. And then they go back to doing what they've, what they've done for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. Right. But there's, there's great companies out there. Like you all, like, like Hoopa, like Sargent, like mm-hmm. C.W. Matthews, like Emory Sappinson's. There's, there's all these great, great organizations out there that really are doing amazing things to make a difference. And they started, I think the theme with you all that, that I've seen, uh, with any organization is that, Hey, the world has changed. It doesn't matter what our opinion on that is. It's reality and it's our problem. So they accept responsibility for the, for the challenge they're looking at Two, they start to invest, but slowly. So what I heard was you were not full-time to start. You were a consultant to start, mm-hmm. probably not all that expensive to, right. to, for, for the impact you were delivering upon the organization. Very low barrier to entry to just start somewhere. And then Highway started to see results. And then they're like, hey, maybe we should go full time. Maybe we should hire one person to focus on this. And then now what you're saying is we've had, we've had extraordinary results. And so as we see more results, more return on investment, we continue to invest. And so- your team has grown. So now you've added people to your team doing yep. different functions that you used to be doing yep. in a lesser capacity, but now they can focus on it, which will then, in theory, yield even more results right. down the road. That's the hope. That's for, the hope. For sure, right? So, you know, it started with Andrea and bringing her on as kind of town manager recruiter. That was an area that we knew that we had to focus on. Um, we had the opportunity to bring on somebody internal and had to kind of create a position. But I'm like, you know, she wanted to work kind of remotely. She was on a site, wasn't, but we knew she was kind of, she was highway, right? Like had the values, had the kind of the grit to to do the work that we wanted her to do. Sure. And it was like, okay, well, I have tons of work. Let me create a position. And then also let's see what else, how can we help finance out? How can we help just general operations and, and things of that nature? So we created a, a role called a field support specialist. And the idea was that person would be kind of a liaison between our team, scary HR, right? And Very. the actual, <laughs> and the actual, uh, operations, right? And again, focusing on that enabling of the work piece. Mm. Um, though she came on, she was our field support specialist. She did some other things for a while. It was great until we got really busy about a year ago, um, of like, oh boy, we got to really focus here on bringing on even more people. We need to continue to lay down the foundation. We also need some like, there's an interesting phenomenon I think that happens when you go from, and if you think about it from a connection standpoint, right? Two people have one connection point. Three people have three connection points. Mm -hmm. Four people, oh, this is when it starts to go up exponentially, right? It's not just four connection points, right? You got to add those two in the middle, right? So it's actually six and then on and on and on, right? So when you go from having 70 employees, many of which had been around for a long, long time, and you double that, 
with 70 people who are brand new to the organization, Mm -hmm. think about how many more connection points that is, Mm -hmm. right? And we sit here and think about communication. You know, that's, that's how the problem manifests itself, right? Is that you have all these, these uh, connection points and it just makes it so much more complex. Well, and that's why, that's why the systems that you had at 70. Right. Don't at all work at 150. It's not like right. you just double your systems. Like, okay, double the people, double the system. Right. It doesn't work that we way. We need new Everything's systems. Broken. We yeah. need to look at how we use those systems differently. So um, basically what had happened about a year ago, was so we brought on a talent acquisition coordinator, uh, who's Megan, who's uh, doing a great job of just helping Andrea kind of keep things under wraps with as many people as we need to hire and help get people you know, to that point of getting their offer to when they actually start. And then um, our original field sports specialist, Bert, had the opportunity to, you know, within our company, kind of go to a different role that she wanted to focus on. Mm-hmm. It was like, great. So then I was able to find, uh, or not find, but I was able to kind of get approval to hire two field support specialists um, that would really kind of, they would take that original role, but it would be a little bit more expanded. And I kind of look at them almost as HR business partners in the field. I want them dedicated to sites and then also doing a lot of project work just around, hey, what are our opportunities as a team? And to kind of build that foundation, continue enabling the work to make this a great place to work. Mm. So I was able to bring on uh, Allison and Ben, who are our field support specialists. And then we've also, you know, safety has always been Kind of one of my responsibilities. Technology has also been my responsibility, um, and you know we've we've gone through a couple things in the past year. But we have um, a safety manager, and then yesterday we had a senior safety manager start, um, and then also technology, which we had kind of outsourced for a while. We brought back in the house, uh, so we have a technology manager as well. So just our team in terms of like building that again to support the business and what was working at seventy people. This is a little closer to what we need to operate at a 150 and to go beyond that, sure. right? And yeah. think about where we actually do want to head. And, and that's the, that's what I learned too, is you have to, you have to invest in the infrastructure before you go and expand substantially or else it is just going to kick the shit out of you. And it's going to be painful right. regardless. I think everybody talks about growth in this very positive, rosy way. Like you're growing. Anybody Anybody that hasn't really been through it, I guess I would say <laughs> like, wow, you're growing. That's amazing. Wow, right. you're hiring some people. And, and you're just like, it is amazing. It is so cool to be able to provide a living to somebody and their family. Awesome. And bring them into our organization. However, there are so many, uh, there's just so much pain that's associated with growth. <laughs> if you don't really plan and invest in that growth before it really happens yeah it goes back to the luck thing also yeah exactly as you grow if you're relying a little bit it's easier to be lucky when you're smaller Uh right when you're maintaining it is much harder to be lucky when you are growing and again you have more connection points you have more responsibility you have a bigger scope of projects etc etc right that's you got to work out some of that luck well and when you're you're, when you're growing in you know, 150 people, that's a, that's a good size construction company. Mm-hmm. That's not a massive construction company, but for your footprint, it's really unique that you have 150 right. people spread out in so many different states. Right. That's very unique. And you have to be a lot more intentional because you could, you could get away with a lot less 
mm-hmm. if you had 150 people in Columbus, because mm-hmm. everybody is kind of interacting with one another, the office is right there, shops right there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, y- you could get around to every site, you know, every once in a while. You could have an all easily. hands meeting in you one could- spot. All hands meeting Amazing. in the shop. Yeah. Annual safety luncheon, whatever it is. Right. You can get away with a little bit more if you're consolidated like that. But you 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 can't miss. Right. When when you have crews in Raleigh <laughs> and Charlotte and Nashville and folks in Ohio. It just doesn't work. It doesn't right. work. Right. Yeah. That's that's amazing. Yeah. Um it's it's the the going back to the market you guys are in too from a, a growth standpoint it's yep. it's really amazing what's happening with U.S. airports. Yep, they're all growing. If anybody's yeah. been to an airport recently, you'll notice that it's probably under construction. No matter where you are, right? It's under construction. And if it's not under construction now, there's plans to have it be under construction very yes. soon. Yeah. Yes. It Columbus is, just... is in that realm right now too. They're oh, talking really? about building basically. <laughs> the way I look at it is basically I want to just tear down the existing terminal, uh-huh. which are kind of like three concourses yeah, uh, and just build a new one. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty old. I've flown in there a few times. Well, yeah. it's a, I love, uh, don't disparage Columbus. I, I love flying in and out of there. I've though. never had a problem. I show up like 10 minutes before I'm supposed to board. I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like Richmond is another one that's yes. just so easy yes. to get in and out yep. of. Um, Raleigh used to be that way, not anymore. Yeah, Raleigh's getting a little more populated now. But yeah, with um, and especially, I think what's caught the airports off guard, especially on the East Coast, mm-hmm. is the 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 migration patterns completely shifting. Oh yeah, within the United States, and so you have all these people from New York and Chicago and Boston and Philly, like pushing south to Charlotte and Raleigh, Durham, and Columbia, South Carolina, mm-hmm. and, and 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 so then. All the airports, their their traffic is expanding faster than they planned for. Right. And now they're in Nashville's a great example. They they go build over a billion dollars a new airport. Mm-hmm. And before that initial project is completed, it was like one and a half or two or whatever it was. It was like it was up in the billions. Before that is completed, they say We've already exceeded our projected passenger traffic. <laughs> and so here's another one and a half billion dollars for more for more airport. And right. we didn't want to do it, but this is just out of hand, guys. Like right. go take your bachelor parties elsewhere. Cause we like just give us a few years. <laughs> and now, like the airport, brand new airport, they're yep. building now they're gonna go build a whole a whole bunch more onto it. Right. Which just it's just it, nonstop. I find airports fascinating from that standpoint of that it is a very complex system. So it's not only about yeah. where population is shifting, morphing, you know, kind of like an amoeba, you know, yeah, the uh, especially in the, yeah. But then there's the business aspect of the airlines, yeah. right? And the hubs yeah, and almost, and I don't know enough about air travel and airports and all that to make an intelligent statement here, but I'm going to assume that there is kind of this emphasis on super hubs, right? Yes. That's what it really feels like, especially at Charlotte. Like that totally. place, is, that's American Airlines, 100%. right? The fact that any other airline flies in there is just, they're kind of like tucked over in, you know, the couple of yeah. A gates. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's like, oh, that's a Delta plane. What's going yeah. on, right? Yeah. Um, And, and you know, even uh, Southwest here in Nashville. Southwest. To some extent, presence. right? Yeah. And yeah. even though they don't, quote unquote, have hubs, come on, like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a hub. 
Yeah. But I think, you know, it's a very interesting phenomenon in terms of how people travel. And I think COVID also probably made that even more complex that Mm -hmm. there wasn't a lot of travel for a while. And then there's pent up demand for travel. Mm -hmm. But then there's also the ability for people to travel more. Oh, I can go to and live in Malibu for a month and work there in my job in Arkansas. Right. Like, so. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting kind of just phenomenon, the complexities of how those airports are growing and then how much work. And then as they get smarter and smarter about the efficiencies of getting planes in and out mm-hmm. and, you know, all this stuff adds up to obviously a great deal of work for us that we have the opportunity to bid on here over the next probably 10 to 20, even more years if we really wanted to, Yeah, but just where we are right now and kind of we probably did get lucky in some of the places that we're working in right now yeah. that we picked these and we developed these relationships in, in high growth markets. We knew some of it was coming, right? But I don't know if we knew it was happening to this extent in some of the places where we're at. Uh, yeah. And it just doesn't seem like it's slowing down at all. It's so no. crazy. That well, the, the, the influx of infrastructure money too is incredibly beneficial, yeah. right? Because as opposed to just waiting for the FAA to they, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll fund that project, right? It's just this little extra kick of like, they're going to fund that project. Mm-hmm. We know it's going to happen. Yeah, there might be a little bit of a wait here, but it's much more certainty for us. Positive thing. Yeah. And I've been, I mean, it's, it's, I've been at so many brand new airports too. Like, oh, I was at O'Hare the other day and walk in, it's just kind of like shitty, 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 shitty. And then just <laughs> opens up into this extraordinary brand new terminal. It's like, where did this come from? Like, right. what, where am I right now? Or, uh, like I flew into Dallas, Fort Worth one time. I've been in Dallas, Fort Worth uh, hundreds of times at this point. Yep. I fly into this one terminal. I'm like, what is, where am I? What, what is going on here? And this right. is like, yeah, we just kind of updated this whole brand new terminal. Kansas city has a brand new airport. San Francisco has a brand new airport. Uh, LaGuardia is brand new. It's just non- LAX, LAX, uh, New LaGuardia, York, yeah, LaGuardia. Newark. Yeah. Every just, it's nonstop. It's, crazy. it's yep. nonstop. Um, but I fly so much too. This is this is some, uh, uh, since we're talking about airports. Here's a friendly uh, travel tip. Air, airline loyalty is stupid. <laughs> it's not a thing anymore. It yep. died in 2020. Yep. And uh, if you're hanging on to it, you are playing the wrong game. I am a big supporter in choosing whatever airline can get you there direct. I. Yes. Eliminate connections I because that's where you're that going to get screwed. I used to be a Delta guy. I And I still, I haven't flown Delta, unfortunately, in a long time, but I still imagine that it's a much better travel experience than many other airlines. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, however, uh, you know, so I live in the Columbus area. We've got jobs in Charlotte, Nashville. Mm-hmm. So Southwest is great. Southwest yeah. to Nashville. Yeah, direct. And I have to fly American to Charlotte because it's yeah, nonstop. That's right. That's right, right? It's right. a direct flight. Yeah. And now I'm like, oh, man, I got to go to Raleigh. Where do I have to connect through? Mm-hmm. Oh, what's the lesser of all the evils? Do I go through Atlanta and yeah, fly on Delta or do I go through Charlotte on yeah. American? Maybe I should just drive. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. but I 100% agree. It is just focus on where you can get directly yes. and just do it. It is. Right. It is. I, I used to get bumped all the time. I was, I was all about American Airlines. Yeah. And then I would be flying through. Charlotte or DFW, one of those stupid airports, every every week, and uh, I just stopped doing that. And now it's it's amazing. I fly Delta, I fly United, I fly Southwest American, 
whoever can get me their direct, that's who has my business. Yep. And there's this, there's also, I love this, people under the illusion that they have a choice when it comes to air travel. <laughs> it's like saying you have a choice when it, com- when it comes to riding the bus. Right. No, you don't actually <laughs> have a choice. Like it's all a game fixed for this, you know, to, 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 to like, if I want to fly out of Nashville, I'm typically on Southwest, maybe American, but if I'm yep. flying American, I'm going through Dallas. Uh, you don't have a choice. Right. So just just stop with all that right. and just go direct. It'll save you so much time and uh, frustration. So that's your airport tip of the day. Love it. Agree. Um, you guys have an added complexity, and I have to stop by 1030 for a technology check. But I, uh, you guys have an added complexity, too, from a, a recruiting standpoint. I know a lot of companies have struggled with drug testing mm. and weed. That is a big thorn in a lot of people's sides with drug testing, getting people to pass drug tests, pre-employment, mm-hmm. and it's almost always marijuana and you have to boot them out. You all, you're working at airports, so you need people to pass background checks as well? Yes. Is that, has that been a problem for you all? Um, drug testing or background uh, checks? Or so not really? Of, of all the problems we have, I would not say it's, it's, up there on the list of, oh my God, yeah. we've got to do something about this. I can't believe it. Sure. Right. Yeah. Um, has it been somewhat of an issue? Yes. I'd say the harder part is figuring out how to deal with it all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. on the drug testing thing, I agree. Um, the, the weed, the THC element is going to get very, I think it's going to get more and more interesting here over the next probably five years. Uh huh. Right. As more and more states move to legalize, um, as, you know, just quote unquote supplements like Delta nine and Delta yeah, eight become yeah, more prevalent. Yeah. And I mean, you can walk into any smoke shop and you can buy THC basically sure, yeah. and it's legal. And, you know, as long as you're over a certain age, you know, partaking in that is, is completely legal. That doesn't mean that you're going to pass a drug screen. It doesn't mean that you will necessarily get a job because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that there's probably going to be an inflection point, especially with THC, just kind of like there was with alcohol, right? Of, um, And I even overheard people talking about this at a safety um, event in, in the Columbus area of, unless if you have reasonable suspicion to believe that that person is actually under the influence right now of a certain drug, namely THC, um, you should probably avoid, like, it's almost like you don't want to know the answer, right? Yeah, yeah, because yes. it's going to stay in your system. Yes. Um, so I think that that's, we're going to get to a point here where when we look at a, you know, a standard five or 10 panel drug screen, probably where there is a lot more discretion made or there's a higher cutoff value or, you know, whatever. I can't speak to the, to the lab pieces of that. But um, I also think that, and I really hope that our drug screen providers Start focusing more on current intoxication, right? As opposed to what's been in your system for weeks and weeks. Now, do I want somebody that's doing meth? Then yeah, probably not, yeah, right? There's a line somewhere. Yeah, yeah there's got to be a line. That m- line might be meth or cocaine sure, or, sure. or one of yeah, those. Yeah. But, um, but no, I really hope that drug screen providers, there's more options for actually doing, you know, like the test of are you currently intoxicated? I know saliva tests, I think, are better at doing that than, um, 
urine-based drug screens or you know blood tests or or whatever. So is it is it driven by the insurance companies primarily? Like where is the that, drug screening thing? Yeah, yeah. Where is that? Where does that Boy, come from? I, I should probably know much better where it does come from. I think in general, it's obviously if you're DOT regulated, there's a lot of yeah. you know kind of the federal standards that are associated with that. Um, yeah. I would say in general, our project owners wouldn't want people that have you know positive drug screens actually working on their sites because there's a huge liability issue there, which would probably ultimately go back to insurance. Yes. I think it's a CYA thing in, probably. in a lot of ways. Yeah. 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 Um, the drug screens, though, we actually haven't had a huge issue. Um, and I'm trying to, you know, I don't look at all of them. I know that some of them, you know, get sent out or rejected or, you know, there's not immediate we do a lot of rapid drug screens because of the way that we have people start pretty quickly. And sometimes it's a non-negative result, gets sent out. We never really figure out what actually happened or it just kind of drops off the radar. That person doesn't show up or, yeah. or whatever. But uh, from you know marijuana and detecting that, we haven't had a ton of people that we've had to reject based on that. There have been some other drugs that have gotten caught, but actually not a huge percentage or number. Okay. Um, so again, I think we're probably pretty lucky there, but... Um, and, and again, I do not advocate for this, but I will say it. Um, uh, and, and I'm stealing somebody else's line, right? Passing a drug screen these days is just an IQ test. Yeah. If you want to pass a drug screen, you can pass a drug screen. Yes. Yes. I don't know how. That seems like a lot of work for me to actually figure out <laughs> what I would need to do. So we have to trust our labs. We have to trust, you know, our other screening processes that we go through with people to make sure that we're, well, we're getting them, uh, you know, people that aren't currently intoxicated or, yeah, or whatnot. But, um, yeah, like I, I think that if people want to pass a drug screen, they can. On on that note, there was a company that I read about in Colorado that would basically say, "We can drug test you now or in two weeks. Hmm. It's your choice." And sure. if they said now and failed, it weeded them out like that. But they're just no not, pun intended. Yeah, yeah, no pun intended, no pun intended. But it was like, okay, you're not smart enough. To say, I'll <laughs> right. just wait the two weeks. I will take those two weeks. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I will like, get clean for and, you. And they didn't hold it against you or anything. They right. just they gave you the option, and that was that in itself was a pre-employment screening yeah. <laughs> of sorts. Right. And it's like I I like that. Yeah. I, I think that's clever. Um, they still drug tested, but they just here's the option. Right. Um, but I don't. I'm not advocating for it. I don't know right. how that holds legally, but it's like that's clever. Right. Yeah. He and. You know, again, I think if we try to be reasonable with all of that, right, and make sure that we are giving people the benefit of the doubt and, you know, if you get diluted samples or whatnot, it's often a retest, but, you know, we'll, we'll try to be reasonable with some of that. Post-accident, you know, we do a lot of drug screens that way. We, again, I think we're pretty lucky we don't get a lot of people caught um, in that sense. And then, you know, whatever happens with randoms and, and doing all that. Yeah. We've been pretty fortunate here over the past several years. I know that, and I think companies probably depending on where you work and the kinds of employees that you're getting or where they're actually coming from, um, can also create additional problems when it comes to drug screening. Mm -hmm. Um, and just your, the, the rate of positive, uh, results that you get. But we've been pretty lucky here in the in the past, at least since I've been there. I got you. Not any major issues with with drugs. Yeah. Um, the background check thing is also very interesting because yeah, in order to get badged, you know, and to set foot in 
you know, an airfield operation area, the AOA, like you really need to have a pretty, you, obviously you can't been treasonous or, uh, uh-huh. you know, tried to hijack a plane at any point in, in your life. Which but is reasonable. They, yeah. yeah, I think that's probably reasonable. But yeah. there's other, there's minor offenses, right? When it comes to weapons and drugs and, okay. you know. Like if I had a DUI. DUIs are okay. Okay. (laughs) I got you. Uh, Again, wouldn't say we encourage them. That has implications though. Can you drive on the airfield? Oh, sure. Right. Can you drive one of our vehicles? That's an insurance issue. Yeah. Um, But, you know, just in terms of getting badged, it's, it's more of the, you know, the kind of the high crimes and misdemeanors uh, element of you have a felony that's related to, you know, weapons, drugs, hijacking planes. Yeah. So it's interfering with. Transportation, things of that okay. nature. So you don't have to be squeaky clean. No, Depend- you don't have to be I guess it depends. Clean. Yeah. yeah. Uh. I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, we look at we look at everybody's background. We run a background check on everybody, and there are some that are s- somewhat questionable. Uh, and we do have to t- we ad- we really have to take a look at that and be like, okay, well, first of all, we feel comfortable having that person on the airfield, mm-hmm. right? If our project like. If we weren't on the airfield, we probably would, right, with some offense. Mm-hmm. But then there's mm-hmm. also the element of if they need to get a badge, their employment is kind of dependent on that. Sure. So and we don't make that decision, right? That's up to the airport and doing their background check and having them actually apply for that badge to, to see. But we try to do as much pre-screening as possible, make sure that we are not you know, putting uh, people that are going to be putting other people at risk mm-hmm. on the airfield. So it's that's an overall very complex world too. And there's legal yeah. implications with it. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, you know, it's, you get into tough choices and I would say we typically make the right ones of, man, I really wish that guy or that gal didn't have that on the record. Yeah. Right. Because we yeah. really could use them right now, but sure. we can't employ you at this time. I got you. Um, yeah. It, it's, um, I don't think I've talked about it very much, but I've heard, I've heard a lot of people bring it up, especially as everything just just more and more constrained it's it's uh and it's really hurt a lot of people yeah i i think would be very employable yeah. otherwise yeah but because of a drug screening or something they just can't get hired yeah at some of these places yeah hmm. i i'm big on also giving people a chance yeah. probably and that's probably to, to my detriment sometimes yeah. but in terms of Okay, you had a felony 10 years ago. It's not really recent. It's not really relevant to what we do. I still think you're probably employable. Sure. Right, we'll give you a chance. Now, you know, we don't even say, well, we're going to be watching you, right? But if something happens, it's against the, our values, against our principles, against the law, whatever. We'll deal with it at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll take on that responsibility. Yeah. Um, well, if somebody, I guess to wrap up here, since I have to do this damn test, um, not drug test, different, different, <laughs> different kind of test. Um, uh, how, how do people find you all? If, if, if I'm sitting here saying, oh, yeah, I want to go to work for highway, where, where do they find you? Uh, so highwaypaving.com, uh, our website, so we've got a section on there. Uh, our careers, our jobs are all posted on there and read about other people's experiences. We're actually you know, looking at really trying to expand that out this year as well. Nice. Um, but yeah, that would be the best place to reach us. Highwaypaving.com. H-I-W-A-Y-E-A-V-I-N-G.com. Excellent. No G-H in that high. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, thanks for the clarification there. 
Well, uh, thanks for thanks for stopping by on yeah. your uh, on your tour across the country. Well, I appreciate uh, the opportunity to talk. Fun, sure. Yeah.